What's up, Chelsea fans, and welcome back to episode number 36 of the Roman's Empire podcast. This week, we divide the pod into three parts, where in the first, we talk about the 2-1 victory at Crystal Palace and what positives we could take away from that match moving forward in the league. In part two, we talk about the loss earlier today at the hands of one Lionel Messi and highlight the heroes and zeros of the day. There are plenty of them. We finish off the pod with part three, where we dive into the Leicester match in the FA Cup quarterfinal on Sunday and what we have to do to win. Once again, you're listening to the Roman's Empire podcast, where all we do is talk Chelsea and talk shit about everyone else. Um, I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Sam. Sam, how you doing, buddy? I'm just excited. This is going to be our last episode, I think, because I don't know if I have the heart to do this another week, man. This is just it's going to be just me bitching about the squad again um, so same old so, same old so i think this is our, gonna be our last episode man so we're so we're calling it quits <laughs> on uh episode number 36 shout yeah. out to young ruben loftus cheek in the Mourinho era yeah no 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 coincidence right there yeah none yeah. whatsoever yeah we're just they, uh, they quit on him so why can't we quit on this i don't know if we necessarily quit on him yeah that's true I'd like to see him in a Chelsea jersey again. I mean, it, it would be great. I, I I like RLC. I always liked him. I always buy him in he FIFA. Is a, he is a fan favorite, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think he is. He's just a he's just a big boy who could who could ball. So, um, let's dive into part one right off the bat. So, um, we're not going to spend too much time on this because we know that the pain of uh, today's Champions League match is still um pretty fresh in our minds. So, um, I know at least for me. That Crystal Palace match is it's way behind me now, but um, just going over it. I mean, Chelsea won two one. Um, we had a starting lineup of Thibaut Courtois in goal, Andreas Christensen in the center of our back three with Cahill and Dave um, on either side of him. We had Conte and Cesc Fabregas in the midfield, uh, Marcus Alonso, Zappa Costa as our wing backs, and a front three of Willian, Hazard, and finally a number nine in Giroud. So. Um, pretty routine win, huh, Sam? Uh, I'm gonna be completely honest with you, Zach. I, I think my whole entire, like, memory of this match is completely out of my mind after this Barcelona match. Um, I just, I literally, I, I can remember a few things, but, uh, it's not as vivid as just the, the loss that we had today, but, um, it was a routine win from what I remember, <laughs> but, uh, it was, I think, it was a kind of a tale of two halves. Um, that first half, we looked really good, really solid. I mean, you just saw the ball, like, uh, zipping around. And um, we created a lot of chances. Giroud, of course, uh, unlucky. Just a couple of chances um, that should have gone in that end up not going in. And um, I think that, you know, we just played well enough to get the results. And in the second half, they I feel like we got completely outplayed. But um, well enough to get the result against a team like Crystal Palace that uh they 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 beat they beat someone the week before, right? Am I am I freaking Crystal my... Palace? No, they they were up 2-0 against United oh, and yeah. modeled it. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. And oh, yeah, with that uh that Nemanja Matic goal that just makes me I honestly wanted to cry watching that. Like he's he's had a couple screamers like that for us, but um yeah, it it was not I was like, I was really pleased with the first half, but I ended it just really just annoyed and pissed off with what I saw. How about you, Zach? Um, yeah, you know, 
I, the main thing I got away from this match was it's games like these where purchasing Giroud makes total sense, right? Um, obviously, he's an experienced veteran and a, and a proven Premier League striker who knows how to attack and hurt opposition defenses. And, you know, uh, coming from another London club and playing against a London club like Crystal Palace, Giroud completely understood the uh, the level of intensity and and the amount of work that he'd have to put in in order to get a result out of this match. So, I mean, very unlucky that he didn't score. Um, I, I, I love this performance overall. I thought he was a complete nuisance for uh, who was playing in their back line. Was it Sacco and, or, or Sacco and uh, Kelly, right, if I'm not mistaken? But, um, you know, he, like I said, he should have a goal. But I think the real star of the match was obviously Willian, and it seemed to be a recurring theme. Um, even when we talk Barca match today, he seemed to be the one player that really stood out. So, um, yeah, routine win. Yes, it wasn't a three or four nil thrashing like we really want, but um, it's a win nonetheless, and it gets us three points, and it gets us back on track, and hopefully moving on um, into the last eight games of the season, uh, we we could pick up some momentum and hopefully some more points. Yeah, I mean, just want to just uh, touch on Willian again because he's really just been. <laughs> the one bright spot uh like since the new year honestly like we we have not looked really well this new year and Willian has just become easily our most reliable player since then um again just another fantastic performance and I was just I, I really like what I'm seeing from him uh, do you have any final thoughts on the match no i think i pretty much covered it all so i mean I'm looking at the script and Bar- and I just looking at the name Barcelona right under it is just kind of making me sick. So <laughs> I think it's we're five it's, minutes into the pod already. Uh, done with the first part because that, that just shows how big of a game this Barcelona match was. <laughs> yeah, to say the least. Um, you want to go over those starting lineups? Yeah, and just to quickly add, I mean, the time we spent uh, talking about that game was not wasn't even longer than the amount of time that. Uh, it took for Barcelona to score on us. They, uh, the the uh, first goal was... Uh, <laughs> two, think, what was it, like it was, two minutes yeah, and 18 two minutes. seconds? Yeah, it was two minutes, I think. Um, yeah, so we um, we manned out a pretty similar lineup. Um, Rudy Aspie and Christensen, that seems to be like a staple for us lately. Um, Victor Moses, uh, Marcos Alonso is the wing backs. Um, and... Fabregas and Angolo Conte, and uh, front three of William Hazard and Giroud. So that was really nice to see Giroud play. I that was kind of, I was a little bit surprised given um, the formation that and the tactics that Conte enlisted in the in the previous leg. But um, you know, I'll start. I'll start off. I already talked about it with that first goal. Um, it it definitely was a huge crush. It was it was a crushing blow to me, like just personally, just watching the match, um, going into it with as much positivity as I can. Like I know you might not have gone into it with the same, like I, I call it ignorance. Uh, you know, I I think it is a lot of ignorance and a little bit of just you know like belief in you know in, in my in my players, but. After that first goal, I think uh, my mindset changed completely. Um, but you know, if you watch the, watch the goal again, um, you know Hazard got beat by 
by Messi. Can't really blame him for that. But um, I think the big mistake comes is that he just doesn't track him. And, you know, I mean, it has to be just a main point that the manager has to go over with you before the match to just constantly track Messi. Like, you need to – he's the best player in the world right now. I mean, arguably. Um, so if, if you're not if you're not going to track him, like, he's going to punish you. And I know that um, – you know, I, I know that – it, it, the goal came off of, a, a, what was it, like a botched clearance from uh, Marcos Alonso and just bounced off of... Yeah, it looked like a little pinball. Yeah, and, you know, we've, we've, we've just been so unlucky with those deflection goals. But but Messi should not have been that open. And um, I just, I mean, you know, just like a slow, sluggish start like that, no pressing, literally just jogging from side to side. You know, as opposed to like closing down spaces with intent, you're gonna, you know, against a team like Barcelona, you're just gonna let up a goal like that. And um, you know, it was just it was a really strange angle. And um, when I saw the replay, I could not believe that it went through Courtois's legs like that. Um, and we'll talk about it later. But that wasn't the that wasn't the only time a goal he would let a goal in like that. But um, Zach, I mean, from what I said, what. What did you see in that first goal that irritated you more? That the poor marking or the poor goalkeeping? Oh uh, man. I mean coming coming from someone that played center back and, you know, either right or left back his whole life, it's just been That's just footballing basics is usually when the best player on the other team has a ball at his feet, you you follow him, right? Of course. And and, and you kind of touched on it. Hazard yeah, he got beat. Fair enough. And chances are, even if he tracks Messi, he's still going to get beat again. But it's just that lack of focus that's just so irritating. Um, and, and it gave Messi that little sliver of space. And, it, I mean, we see it. Messi wasn't trying to cross that ball. He knew exactly what he was doing when mm-hmm. he nutmegged Courtois. Mm-hmm. So to answer your question, um. I think I'm a little bit more pissed off about the goalkeeping, surprisingly. You know, usually I bash on on the defenders and, and the marking, but the fucking goalkeeping, man. How do you get nutmegged from eight yards out at that angle? Like, it, it just it, – it doesn't really make sense to me. I I noticed that, yeah, Hazard was at fault for not tracking Messi, but usually when, when, when a player has a ball running at that angle, on the byline basically – there's usually nothing they could do there besides spit it across the six-yard box and hope someone gets on the end of it. But Messi looked up and he said, oh, Courtois flat-footed. Let me poke it through his legs. And that's exactly what he did. So it's just – it's very, very confusing to me how someone could go and – and I'm going to dive into this later, but just mouth off about Madrid and how great it is Ugh. and play against Madrid's arch rival and just stink up the joint. Um, but I, I want to go back to Hazard to, to Hazard for a second because, you know, this is something that that Mourinho had a problem with when when he was manager was the fact that Hazard doesn't really track back and the fact that he doesn't really defend and uh, part of this could be a reason why Conte decides to play the false nine a lot because you know getting Pedro in in that other in that other inside forward position um, opposite of Willian just gives us that extra security blanket. Um, it, it gives us more legs. It gives us more energy defensively. And, you know, we saw today as much energy as Giroud gives us up top. 
um, the energy was completely missing from Hazard's side defensively. And, you know, it, it, it was kind of embarrassing to see that kind of brain fart, for lack of a better word, right? Like, yeah, I know, I know, I know, I think it was in the second half, someone played, I believe it was, might have been Marcus Alonso. Oh, no, no, it might have been Giroud got, got played clean through. And Usman Dembele tracked them all the way back. And 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 the camp dude just went crazy. Like they celebrated it like it was a goal. Like that is a type of desire, and that's the type of will and the type of focus and intensity that you need to be successful in a competition like this. And you know, as much as people want to say, yeah, we played well, and 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 yeah, you know, we did respond well to the first goal. And we just got unlucky. No, I don't think we got unlucky. I think every single goal that we conceded today was. Uh, lack complete lack of focus and you know just you know a quick second of switching off and, and unfortunately you know playing a team like Barcelona um, they're going to punish you for it and that's exactly what they did yeah I mean I think the lack of focus um, it, it it did I think stop after that moment um, I mean for most players I think uh, Fabregas that might be a completely different topic but um we definitely bounced back after that. I think we just, you know, the amount of intensity and fire that we 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 came out with after that moment. But um, we, we you know we talked just going back quickly to that goal. Zach, me and I talked before uh, we recorded, just like comparing that that goal from you know what was it eight yards out through mm-hmm. the legs. That's like getting dunked on, like a poster in basketball, like just straight up, like the most dis- like disrespectful kind of thing you can do. Like, like if, if if you're playing with like a bunch of your lads, like, and someone does that to you, like you're you you will never hear the end of it. Like that literally, yeah. like I like if that happened to me if I was playing with like a bunch of my friends and I was a goalkeeper, I'd probably just like take off my gloves and leave. Like, <laughs> like you'd be it like, just, all right, guys, <laughs> that that's I mean, how I, disrespectful it was. Just like you, that shouldn't happen. As a goalkeeper, you're supposed to cut off angles and you're supposed to force the attacker to shoot at the most difficult angle. I mean, that's basically football. And it doesn't get much harder than the angle that Messi went off with. No, 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 no. But but I think the reason why that angle was there to begin with and the reason why Messi opted to go through Courtois' legs is because Courtois was standing completely parallel to Messi. He wasn't at an angle. And a, a six foot seven, you know, tall, lanky guy, right? Like, it's hard for him. To, it's it, it's hard for him to make that save down there. I mean, I mean, let's be honest. It's it's hard for him to get down there, especially when he's that tall. But mm-hmm. with that being said, you got to cut off any sort of angle whatsoever. You're not playing against you know, uh, uh, Jonathan Walters in the Premier League. You're you're playing against Lionel Messi. <laughs> so you know, like. Great comparisons right there. Well, I mean, I'm just trying no, to throw no, out right. the shittiest Premier League player I could think of. So, like, hey, come on. So, uh, we, we all player. we all know we all know who you think is the shittiest player. He he's the best shit player head. in the world. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. The shithead. Um, but he's the best player in the world. You got to cut that angle off. There's for me personally, that's all on Courtois. Yeah, Hazard didn't track Messi. But we should not have gotten punished from that position, and unfortunately, we did. I mean, it's that simple. Yeah. Okay. So, just going back, just to change the topic a little bit, a little bit more positive. I, I kind of I mentioned it, but 
I was impressed overall with just like the intensity and fire. Like, like me as a fan watching that first goal go in, like I was deflated. Um, and I was just like, all right, this is it. I think this, I think this is over. But, um, and I kind of expected the same kind of reaction from the players, but I was pleasantly surprised to see just the way that they handled it. Um, really great response. Um, we had a lot of good chances, but, um, I just, you know, there's, we weren't, we simply weren't clinical enough. Um, and that's just been the, that's just been the narrative of the season. I feel like, um, you know, a couple bad mistakes from, um, Fabregas leading up to that second goal. Like, um, it's, it's, I I remember the stream, the, I was watching it on a, a BT sports stream and, um, they right after, so that right before that goal, Hazard had a really tough shot that got blocked. Um, and just really quickly, just to point out, Barcelona's uh, two center backs, they blocked so many shots. It was just like unreal. Uh, yeah, they, yeah. They played... you know what? And and I was going to mention that, and I'm glad you brought up that point. Pique and Umtiti together, that's, they had a, like a, a complete blinder. Yeah, that was just I mean, unfair. They, they Like we could not get shots on target like to the goalie. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, he, he, he rocketed a shot and it like bounced all the way back, like past midfield. And they, the camera cut like to a close up of Hazard. And I was just thinking, oh my God, why are they cutting to this? Like, like it's like, I feel like there's going to be a counter attack right now. And it cuts back to Fabregas, just like losing the ball and looking to the ref complaining. And I'm just like, oh my God. To Messi, of course, and he, and then, you know, the everyone who watched the match, they saw the rest. It just, you know, I think, and I think that goal, um, Courtois could have, could have done a little bit more as well. Um, I think he had, I think it went right between his hands. He might have gone a hand on it, a finger on it, but um, that was a rocket. Like, um, I, I'm just, I'm just so disappointed in. <laughs> And how many outstanding players Barcelona is able to get while we are stuck with just like, I mean, just Zappacosta like Costa and drink water and they're just too they're they're too good. Like I mean, Zach, where, where do you think it went wrong? Okay, I I know you're talking about the second goal, and I think you're being a little harsh on Courtois for the second goal, just because I mean, Usman Dembele rifled that yeah. into the top of the net. I think I'm just anti-Courtois right now, and I will just blame anything on him. I'm not being <laughs> rational at all. <laughs> well, look, I'm being completely rational, and I'm actually blaming the third goal on Courtois as well. Look, I'm sorry, but he was a fucking joke today. Like, in terms of his performance as a whole, he was a joke. If your fucking heart is in Madrid, then play like it. Like, the thing I don't understand is what better team to audition for Real Madrid against than Barcelona, wow. their arch rival. I didn't but, even think of that. That's a, that, that is a really great point. I, I I absolutely hate the fact that he has the nerve to go out of his way and to praise Madrid and to send his agent to make contact with PSG or whatever bullshit and to hold off his contract with the, all this you know contract nonsense and I mean just everything from him was horrible. His body language, um, his shot stopping, his attitude of late has been horrible. You know, he's been lashing out at the manager. I mean, it just seems to me that wherever Courtois goes, drama seems to follow him. 
and, and and yeah, I mean, he might be a great person, and I always see him handing out his handing out his his goalkeeping his uh, goalkeeper jersey to you know young fans, and he's throwing his gloves into the stands, and I mean, yes, like he does all of that stuff, but you got to take ownership for your actions, and and, and it, there's a point where professionalism has to be a priority, and and the way he's been acting in the press, especially, has just been completely unprofessional. And then he comes out with a performance like this. He has to shut his fucking mouth from here on out because if he's going to keep playing like this, then he can't talk. But if he's going to play like a like a world beater, like a top three goalkeeper that that you know we've all seen before, because we have seen him at his best at Chelsea. Mm-hmm. If he's going to play like that, then he can talk. But right now, he has no reason to speak. And I know he I know he went into the presser after the match and he said, yeah, you know, I could have had a little bit better of an effort today. But to me, that's not an excuse. What did he do wrong? I want him to acknowledge what he did wrong. Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't cut off the angle or, oh, I went to ground too early or <laughs> acknowledge what you did wrong. I get it. Like, you know, he goes out into the press and says, we all made mistakes. I'm at I'm at fault. Well, tell us what for. Like, I, I don't know if I'm being nitpicky about it. I don't know if I'm being, you know, a little bit too harsh on him. But, like, the second that third goal went in, I went straight to Twitter and I tweeted something along the lines of, you know, like, if, if you're really if – you're, if your heart is really in Madrid, why are you playing like shit? Mm-hmm. Because I feel like you could have thrown a scarecrow in goal and it would have done a better job. Because every single shot that was on target for Barcelona basically went in. They had four shots on target all match. Three of them went in. Mm-hmm. And let's be honest. I know a lot of people go out there and and the, the whole Twitter universe and the whole social media universe, basically the whole sports world is putting Messi on this pedestal and, you know, like giving him his typical praise after, you know, an incredible performance. Yeah, Messi was Messi was incredible today. But besides those two goals, I feel like we neutralized them pretty well. Mm-hmm. And if that first goal didn't go in, we would have had a shot for this game. So that's that's the reason why I can't forgive Courtois right now. The fact that he let in that first goal shit the game away. And usually, if a player makes a mistake, I don't I, I don't jump on their back. Christensen made a mistake in the first leg. Yeah, we we criticized him, but we didn't jump on his back and we didn't and, and we didn't slack him off like he's like he's shit. Well, I'm slacking Courtois off like he's shit. Because his attitude's been shit off the field, and he's been playing like shit on the field. And I just feel like all of this extra drama that he created on his own through the Madrid and the PSG rumors and the contract situation, that's all spilling into his performances on the pitch, and he needs to take responsibility for that. Yeah, I mean, like, he he clearly, I mean, if, if he doesn't feel this way, um, he definitely shows it in his interviews with the media, but I don't think he wants to be here. Um, and you know, he talks like, you know, like he actually doesn't want to be here when he chats with the media, but, and he doesn't show up for the big games. Like, you know, what, what, what is he doing for us? What, what positive, um, you know, what, how is he, how is he a positive for our club? And I honestly think, I mean, if like, it's, uh, this is the time where we we need to capitalize on, uh, the opportunity to transfer him out because this game definitely, I think it hurt his market pretty bad. Um, if we if we if we could have got him for seventy mil, I think it might have dropped to honestly like fifty mil after this match. Uh, I'm going to be completely and you, honest. 
you know, the ironic thing is that Roberto Martinez was sitting there in the stands, and he was, and and I mean, like, no, he probably wasn't impressed. If you're looking at all the Belgians, you know, that played today are actually only both Belgians that played today, but you know, you look at Hazard and. Yeah, maybe he didn't score, and, and and maybe he didn't create as many opportunities as he wanted to. But every time he got the ball, he looked dangerous. Yeah, I think I think he played well. I mean, he didn't have any opportunities really on goal. I, I don't think he had any shots besides the ones that were blocked. But uh, I think he had a really really good match. Um, I think just you know, all, at the end of the first half, uh, when. Uh, I think it was Courts. Uh, it was Giroud got pulled down right outside the box, and uh, we had that great, great placement for that uh, for the free kick. And I saw Marcos Alonso and William stepping up to it. I had I I'm not gonna lie, Zach. I had hope. Um, I felt that if that if we were able to score that goal, um, we would be t- we'd be having a complete different conversation right now, Zach. I think that we could have pulled it out. Um, but when I when that you know when I saw that shot just just hit the post again, um, another post shot. I just knew luck wasn't on our side today, and um, you know, I, we and I and I do applaud Chelsea for you know we we maybe looking back, it wouldn't have changed anything because it's not like we we came out flat in the second half. You know, we we, we came out on fire again, just like how we did in the first half. Yeah. But for the first um, like twenty or twenty five minutes, up yeah, until Messi scored. Yeah, I think after that, um, it it was just they just sealed it, and um, I mean the game the game is done from there. Right. There's because no, you know bad enough we had to score one goal at Camp Nou to stay alive. I mean mm-hmm. scoring threes just seems like it's out of the question. Yeah, and you know, I I really I I was I'm I'm disappointed in the sense that like it could have. Like there, there was just if, if like literally this this whole tie was could have been decided by a couple inches of a difference. Like we could have won, but I'm not disappointed in the sense that like I know what kind of team Barcelona is. I I didn't not actually like like before the the tie even started. I thought we had no hope, and I just I hate Chelsea for actually like giving me a little bit of hope and not and not fulfilling it. Uh, thanks for toying with my heart like that, but um, you know, that's that's how I felt about this this whole tie. But um, let's let's um, let's talk a little bit more about the specifics. Uh, so we got a question from uh one of our biggest fans, Chelsea Eric, and I gotta say I'm I'm a big fan of his as well. So it's mutual. He's Um, uh he he seems to be the meme master. Yeah, he is. I think we could. Uh, I think we could give him that title. He's because... been dubbed for officially meme master. Yeah, meme meme master Chelsea Eric. So he asked. He asked actually a really good question on uh, uh, on Twitter regards our, regarding our substitutes. He asked why why Conte uh, why can't Conte try to be more aggressive um, instead of just trying to make like for like changes? Zach, what do you what do you, what do you think? I think it's I think it's clear, and every Chelsea fan has seen it the last month or so and it, I just think it's a matter of Conte's head being completely gone um he doesn't trust his bench at all besides Pedro and Giroud um his body language is shit and he just hasn't been himself since basically New Year's it, it just seems like something is really really rotten behind the scenes at Chelsea Football Club and 
um, it, it, it's spilling into the performances of both the players and the manager. And, you know, it just makes you wonder, is it is it a staffing issue? Is it the lack of a technical director? Because don't forget, we still haven't hired one since Emanalo got the sack. Um, is it just bad business, bad business decisions, um, poor transfer markets? I mean, to me, it just seems like um, all of those are inside of the same vacuum as to why – we're basically, I don't want to say imploding, but um, self-destructing would be a, a little bit better of a term. So, I mean, just going back to Conte, I do think it's just down to a lack of trust in a sense that he doesn't think where the squad is squad needs. Um, he doesn't think the squad needs are are fulfilled. You know, he, he still thinks it's thin. There's still players he doesn't trust. There's still players that you know, we purchased and are still struggling for fitness. And I, I just think deep down in his heart, he knows that we're basically a lost cause in terms of him being the manager for us. And when the summer starts, it's he's off. I mean, it's that simple. And one thing that just drove me mad is that here in here in the United States, we watched a game on uh, on FS1, Fox Sports 1. And um, Taylor Twelman was the commentator, former U.S. national team player. And usually he doesn't bother me too much. But today he was just fucking pissing me off because every five seconds he'd mentioned psg and you're just like dude there's been like maybe two or three reports um about conte making contact with psg um and 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 he's already gonna go out and believe it you know he's already gonna go out and say every five seconds during the match oh well uh psg's watching and And that's why that's why i watch he's putting his arm around Messi so he can bring him the psg like (laughs) that's why i watch the bt stream i can't stand fox sports commentary anymore i mean they're just they're just garbage and it's a shame that they have to host the world cup too because now i gotta watch all the world cup games With that shitty commentary, and I swear to God, if I hear Alexi Lalas's voice one more time, I'm gonna go crazy. Luckily, I'll be able to watch a couple of those games live, Zach. Hey, yeah, no commentary. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, why don't why don't you tell the listeners what's up? I I, I didn't I talk about it. Oh no, I didn't. We talked about it with Joseph after we, we uh, finished recording a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Oh yeah, I'm going to Russia this summer um, to support. Um, the motherland yeah my roots i'm gonna be uh following uh iran um for the group stages only at this point um but i mean i'm not expecting them to make it out of the group at all um given that we've paired up with uh morocco okay that's that's the that's the big scary one and then there's also spain and portugal as well so uh, yeah and, but yeah. those are th- th- those, those should be easy yeah those are yeah, yeah we'll have those in the bag but um i'm really excited to go see spain just because of how many you know, Chelsea players that they have and, um, you know, seeing them play and obviously going to the World Cup. It's been one of my dad's dreams to do. So, like, you know, it's great to do this opportunity with him. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, uh, so one player that I hope will not be in the World Cup, um, Cesc Fabregas. Will um, not be at the World Cup? Yeah, hopefully he's not going to be playing for wow. Spain. Uh, no, I'm just hoping because he's just not been – he's not been himself lately. Um and again, obviously today he had a very poor performance. Um, just couldn't link up play, couldn't influence any of our attacking or obviously defensive play. And you know, there's really only one reason to be playing Fabregas uh, alongside uh, Conte. I mean, uh, yeah, there's only one reason to be playing him at this point. 
and it's to be creating chances for other players. Otherwise, he's not doing anything else. And if he's not doing that, he's really just like worthless on the pitch. I feel like he's just a, a body that, um, you know, I, I, I feel like honestly, like, you know, we, we have <laughs> surprisingly missed Bakioko a little bit. I didn't know uh, that it would be possible for me to say that, but we are. And I would have really liked to see Danny Drinkwater play in this match, uh, although he's not much of an improvement from Fabregas. Uh, I think that his uh, just I think that he would have given a lot more to the squad than Sex did. Wow! Where so you, you are you... Uh, you are agreeing with with uh, with my opinion that I said earlier today before the match. What about Drinkwater? Yeah. Yeah, I was I was on that before, dude. I I, I don't know. I mean, I just. I just, I mean, I, I kind of was expecting, hopefully, a little bit that Fabregas would, you know, contribute what he what he's expected to do. But um, after the the match he had today, I, I agree, hundred percent. Danny Drinkwater for sure should should have started. Where where do you stand on Fabregas right now? I mean, just going off what you said, I, I think it's fair that, or I think it's unfair to judge him purely based on this match, just because. I mean, we've talked about it before. When he's when he's placed in a midfield two, um, you don't really see Fabregas at his best, and that position in general um, doesn't suit his playing style and, and and his athletic ability. So, I mean, just going off of that and keeping that in mind, I I think the big thing we learned today when it comes to Cesc is that he needs to be a, just a a role player, an impact sub. Um, he doesn't have the legs to play in a high-intensity, high-speed match, and he can't be used to play with this defensive counter-attacking style that we've been playing with as of late. And I mean, I love him, and and, and yeah, he he's world he's a world-class playmaker. I mean, I I don't think I've I've seen someone in a Chelsea shirt thread the needle like Fabregas in a very long time. So, um, I mean, as much respect as I have for him and everything that he's done for the club, I just think it's it's time to just go, kind of go back and, 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 and reinvigorate him. And maybe, I mean, at least in my opinion, I think a big reason why he hasn't been performing is because his role is a lot different than last year. Um, last year, we seemed to control a lot of the matches that we were in. And, you know, we'd bring Fabregas on the last 15, 20 minutes just to kind of keep possession and, and, and tire out the opponent and hopefully create a few chances. But here, I mean, you're just asking him to do something that he physically can't do. Right. You know, he, he, he can't sit behind the ball. He can't track Rakitic and Iniesta and Messi up in, in the middle of the pitch. He can't he can't track runners. He can't he can't tackle. And when he does, he usually doesn't time them very good, um, just like he doesn't really time his haircuts very well either. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, mean, but, I think like, at this I mean, point, I mean, just, he's definitely a role player, I think. Right. He's, he's not. I mean, he's, I mean he, look, look, he, he has to be because if, if this is what we're going to keep getting with this. You know, if we're going to keep playing a midfield too, he has to be an impact sub. The only time I could ever see him really contributing is when we play with a three. Um, but right now, William's form just looks um, insane. So yeah, we need we need. I, I, I don't think there's, that. and yeah, I mean, with with Bakioko and in bat in poor form and Drinkwater, I mean, clearly Conte doesn't trust him and Ross Barkley hurt. Ross Barkley's injured, and you know. I, doesn't this season just scream for for Chaloba or is it just me? 
I mean, I I, I hate the mope on like on like what could have been, but I really feel like he could have contributed something to the team this year. I mean, just his athleticism, his ability to get up and down the field. I mean, he's he's like a pure box to box midfielder. I mean, he'd be perfect for Conte. Um, but yeah, I mean, just going back to Fabregas. One last thing I want to say: the the club has to look at it and consider his age and consider his mobility and versatility, especially um before they make the decision on what to do with him next year whether they want to keep him in a starting 11 or whether they want to just limit him to being an impact sub or whether they even want to keep him at all i you know since conte is basically gone i i think it'd be foolish of the next manager to come in and 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 immediately sell a player of fabregas's quality because you know, that last rant I just went on, it's not discounting his ability. He's a game changer on his day. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he he could thread the needle and he could find that pass that nobody else can, um, that, that few players in the world can. And I think if we just kind of toss him to the side after this season and say, you know what, we're going to take whatever bid we could get for him and just cash out, I think it would be kind of foolish. I want to see what manager we bring in, what playing style we implement. Um, I think if we stick with the three backs or the the three center backs, excuse me, I I, I really don't see a future for Fabregas here, um, even playing as a number ten um, b- behind the two strikers because I could just see Willian providing so much more in that role, both defensively and offensively. And Chelsea's always been a club that's played on the counter attack, and just Fabregas's DNA doesn't really fit the mold. So if we could bring in a manager that would want to play a more progressive, more attractive style of football i think fabregas is a future man i hope we don't stick with that three back for next year I, I'm, I'm kind of over it to be completely honest um uh, but uh i'll talk a little bit about that in a little bit but um let's talk let's talk about victor moses um again just oh, failed failed to impact the match offensively whatsoever I and mean, his his defensive capability does not does not outweigh even close his poor crossing um, he just, you know, I mean, obviously defensively, he had his moments just, I mean, talking about this match specifically, but, uh, he struggled a little bit with the trickery of Iniesta, which you can't really blame him for given just the kind of player Iniesta is. But, um, you know, we always point to him every week we talk about him. I feel like it's become a recurring theme. Just how he's, he's been the obvious weakly weak link in this, uh, Chelsea 11, um, but you think today was the final straw, Zach? Look, man, the final straw was a long time ago with Victor <laughs> Moses. Um, I've always thought of <laughs> Moses as a winger because, I mean, that that is his natural position. He feels more most comfortable and he looks most comfortable when he's running at defenders in, in 1v1 situations. But with that being said, that's all he can do. Um, there's no way he should be anywhere near the starting 11 of a side that that aspires to compete with Europe's elite, um, especially in the Champions League, and and this match w- was was total proof of it. Um, as a backup, he he'd, he'd be a great squad player. Um, he'd be great to bring in on you know the cold rainy nights in Stoke. You know, that would as, be as ideal. Cliche yeah. goes, he, he would be an ideal Premier League, you know, rotational wingback. Um, but when it comes to playing really quality opponents. He just seems to struggle. I, he had a great first half against Barcelona um, in the first leg, and I thought you know, he, he kept Jordi Alba um, in his pocket for most of the first half, but 
he can't sustain a great performance for the 90 minutes and that's a problem um because you know you look at the opposite end and you look at a guy like Marcus Alonso who again is not a natural uh a, a natural left back he is more of a midfielder not necessarily a winger but more of a midfielder um and he's made that position completely his own i mean defensively Alonso has looked solid and he he could even contribute attacking wise and if Victor Moses can't contribute offensively he doesn't offer anything else and I alluded to it last week, the ability that I don't think he knows what a cross is. Mm-hmm. Um, and, he and, definitely and we, doesn't. We saw it today. He, here's a really infuriating thing with Victor Moses is he gets himself in such great positions um, when he's overlapping, when, we, when, we're, when we're playing in a 4-3-3. I think he's much better in a 4-3-3 than a 4-5-2. But especially today, there was a few times where he overlapped Willian. And William would would play him into space, and all you would have to do is just spit a ball across a six yard box, and he would cut it back too far, or mm-hmm. he, he'd overpower it, or you know he does that typical Victor Moses thing. He didn't do it much today, thank God, but he usually where he hits the ball as hard as he can about waist height, mm-hmm. and just lasers it across the box so nobody could even get a foot through it. So people they they even avoid it. So they don't get injured. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we talk about Giroud. Giroud stuck his head in front of it one time, and you just saw him like flinch at the last moment. Like, fuck that, not yeah. happening. Yeah, too beautiful. This face is too beautiful. To this face is too that. beautiful to get smashed. Yeah, he'll either face. do that or he'll just dribble the ball straight out of bounds, which he did. He did today a couple times. No, obviously. he'll beat the defender and then not put a cross in, and then the defender will recover, and then he'll try to beat him again. And Victor Moses doesn't have a left foot, so he always is. He never cuts into his left. And he's yeah. always playing to his right. So he's just – it's so one-dimensional. And, you know, like what you were saying about I hope I don't see this this three-center back system again, I I actually hope we keep it for next year because I think that's just the way football's progressing. And we talked about it before we started rec- – before we pushed the record button where, you know, you got teams like um, Juventus and – you know, uh, you got teams like Tottenham and teams like Man City who play a three a three uh, center back um, lineup, and you know Bayern Munich used to do it when Pep was there. I mean, not so much anymore, but we're seeing a lot more teams in Europe do it, and it's it works when it's employed correctly and when there are the right personnel when there is the right personnel available. Zach, you're taking my uh, you're taking my three things that I learned in this campaign for me. So uh, oh, um, well, <laughs> I'll talk well, about that. <laughs> or well, I'm so going to, I'm going to be stuck at two. If, uh, if you, right. if you go into it more. All right. So I'm so, uh, what are the three things you learned about this champions league campaign? <laughs> I mean, since we're already on <laughs> part just, of the script. Anyway. I just didn't want you to, you know, say it so that I would, I would have two things. I'd have to think. About no, no, one. no. But, go but, ahead, go but ahead, yeah, yeah, you know, great, great. Chelsea's Chelsea's, Chelsea's 27-2018 Champions League campaign officially came to an end today. Um, and I, di- I did learn a couple things, okay? Um, first thing I learned, <laughs> and, it, it, I, it, and it's, it's, it, do- it verges a little bit from what you said, but I think that the 3-4-3 is really quite overrated. I mean, when you look at all the other remaining teams in Champions League, all of them right now are either playing four three three and a four four two. I mean, besides Juve, and I mean, even even they don't play three back 
every match. Like, we've been seeing them, uh, as of late, play, like, a 4-2-3-1 or a 4-3-3, um, you know. And I think that the 3-4-3 the three, three was, like, a fad. And, um, you know, it became popular for a little bit. But um, I think it's slowly dying down. And, you know, the difference between Juventus manning that and us is, you know, Juventus have the likes of Marquisio, uh, Pjanic, Douglas Costa, Matuidi, and Kadira. I mean, they, all stacked. those guys manning the midfield, we literally have one solid midfielder. We have one. And I mean, that, that, that you can put, you can deploy any game. Everyone yeah. else is just like, Oh, I hope he has a good game today. Like I, I want to, I want to point this out really quick. So before we push the record button, we were actually talking about the same exact thing. And Psalm was talking about the wingbacks. And he alluded to the fact that you look at Juve's depth at wingback. I mean, Alexandro, Quadua Samoa, mm-hmm. um, Juan Cuadrado, um, Lichsteiner. Lichsteiner. He, and, he could and, start for Chelsea today. And he's, their, and, and he's their backup right wingback. Like, that's the insane thing. And he doesn't even... Dude, this guy doesn't even play anymore. He, <laughs> he, he hardly plays anymore. Yeah, and Allegri and he, just throws him on at the end of the game just to like shore things up in the midfield, or uh-huh. you know, just to like win a few challenges. But like, I mean, it just drives it drives me crazy that we don't have players of any sort of quality. That I mean, we have players that have no business being at Chelsea whatsoever, and I hate to be harsh on them. I really, really do. Um, but yes, I'm talking about the Zapacosas and I'm talking about the drink waters. Um, it's just so frustrating. The fact that we go out and we, and, and we purchase these players for, and I'm using my air quotes again, these, these bargain buys. And in the meantime, you know, there are players on the market and teams that are willing to listen, um, who are selling players with the likes of Alexandro and, you know, uh, who was the guy from Inter Milan? Uh, Antonio Condreva, who's a quality, quality wingback, who we couldn't go after. And it's just it, – it blows my mind that we still cannot get this transfer system right. And yes, I mean maybe our ideology changed and maybe we're trying to be more um, financially responsible if you want to put it that way. But it's not even it's not even a matter of us going out and buying players that – could develop into something world class. I would have no problem with that. Like that's why I had no problem with the Ross Barkley signing. Um, that's why I had no problem with the Emerson Palmieri signing because those are players that you know. I mean, the brief time we saw them, we know they have some sort of potential. So I mean, there's resale value there. That's a smart business. How about move. the How about the Alvaro Morata deal? Morata's <laughs> another thing. Yeah, yet to yet to prove whether that deal is was worth it or not. It's, I think in, I do, in due time I, it'll be. Hey man, I, I still have I still have hope. So I mean, I, I cut you off. So so let's get into your next two. Yeah, points. well, I, just to finish off that point, yeah, I I just think that we do we do not have. I think that the three four three is possible to implement, but you need it's so crucial to have solid wing backs and solid midfielders because I mean you're only you only really have two guys in the middle. I mean you you're counting the wing backs as midfielders. They're playing out wide. So you need two really like strong defensive and solid midfielders, and we only have one. And the other ones like is just like oh, it, it's pretty much a at this point it, it's it's been a gamble for Conte. Like I feel like he has no idea, he, like he has no rhyme or reason on who to match uh, 
N'Golo Conte up with. It's just like, oh, I hope that today Fabregas has a good game, or oh, I hope today that you know Bakioko doesn't suck complete, you know. Dick. Uh, yeah, dick, dick. Thank you. I forgot. I don't know why I forgot that word. All right. So the next thing I learned, that was the first thing I learned. Second thing I learned, I really think, I, I, I really think I took Peter Check for granted. I mean, it takes a certain type of keeper to step up in pressured, high stakes situations, and uh, frankly, I haven't seen Courtois display that at all, um, just throughout Champions League and uh, other. Um, other tournaments that we've been in this year and other big games. Um, Peter Cech is just in a, in a world of his own and he's an all time great. Um, not just uh, all time great blue, but just all time great keeper in general. Um, uh, and uh, I, I just, I, I really, I think I took his time here playing for Chelsea for granted because again, I was just a spoiled Chelsea fan who, uh, you know, was able to, watch the greatness and not really take it all in. And now that he's gone, I, re- I really do miss him. Um, I just want to, I, I want to butt in for a second. Sorry. Um, going off of the, your Peter check point, I don't think that Peter check was necessarily a better shot stopper than Courtois, but I do think he is a better professional. And I do think he's a better leader than Courtois. Um, Courtois is not very vocal, um, and and he's not very strong um, when the ball well, gets played no. when the ball gets played in the air. I mean, Peter Check was never Peter Check was never the best at distributing. I mean, his version of distribution was pinging a long ball to Drugba and basically play kick and run. Hey, it worked. Um, but 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 you I mean you hit the nail on the head. Peter Check stepped up in the big games and he was a leader, um, both vocally and uh, he showed it through his play. Mm-hmm. And it just seems like this Chelsea team we have now. I mean, as, as as great of a player as P is, and it's and I'm I'm not knocking Aspi at all because he is, I mean, he's probably my favorite Chelsea player on the squad right now, um, but he's just not vocal enough for me, um, and, and we don't really have that guy on the field. Same thing with Fabregas. Yeah, he was a captain of Arsenal at what at, what was it like 18 or 19, but he wasn't vocal enough. Hazard's not a vocal type of leader. Um, you could. The sad thing is you could argue that Diego Costa was. Mm-hmm. I mean, Diego Costa would go up to his teammate and he'd grab him by the shirt collar and say, get your head out of your ass. A, 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 diff- a different type of leader, but nonetheless, like... You, you, a leader. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, I mean... Yeah, it doesn't matter. I don't think, I don't think the means of uh, you know getting there are really important. It's just a matter of being being a guy that your team could really like rally around. And that's... And, and, he and was. That's, the, that's the frustrating thing with Courtois is that I mean, let's not bullshit ourselves. We both know that he has the capability to be a world-class goalkeeper if he isn't one already. But that's one aspect of his game that he has not developed, and that's one aspect of his game that he hasn't built on. And since since the day he came to Chelsea, I just haven't seen a real improvement. And, you know, when he came here, he was a young goalkeeper. He was 21, 22 years old. Mm-hmm. And everyone's thinking, wow, this guy's going to this guy's gonna take over after Neuer. Like, like he's the chosen one. He's the prodigal son. And we just haven't seen any fo- sort of improvement from his Atletico days to his Chelsea days. You meant to say Czech, right, not Neuer? Or did you mean Neuer as in, like, the best goalkeeper in the world? Well, I mean, 
If you're gonna ask, if you're, are you asking me who's the best goalkeeper well, in the world? No, you just said he's gonna replace Neuer. I, I just don't know if you misspoke or if you meant like. Oh no 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 no! He's gonna replace Neuer as like the best goalkeeper okay. in the okay. world. Okay okay yeah yeah. All right. Neuer, Neuer was running the game for the last five years. I agree. De Gea no, decided I, to step I thought up. I thought you might have misspoke. Um, but well, of course but, you agree. Yeah. You're a Germany fan. <laughs> I agree. Yes. Uh, the last thing I learned. It's funny how you how you actually mentioned Aspies your as your uh, favorite Chelsea player. Um, I he was he was in my top three favorite Chelsea players, but um, he's been officially surpassed by Willian. Um, Willian is an absolute star. The Champions League was his stage, and he just showed the fuck out. Like he has slowly, not slowly. I'm sorry, he, like very rapidly, just quickly. Just in this past year, has surpassed Hazard. Uh, and Golo Conte and Aspie as my new favorite blue. And, um, you know, we have them under contract until 2020, you know, another two seasons. Um, so it's getting around that time, um, you know, with the year left on the, on the, <laughs> sorry, on the contract that teams look to transfer out players. But um, I really hope that, you know, the team doesn't make any decisions with him because um, I, I mean, obviously saying I wanted to retire as a blue is a long stretch as you know is, is hard you know not even Frank Lampard retired as a blue but um you know he oh, I just a very good point yeah you know but and I, I just want to see him on our team beyond the 2020 contract that's I, like that's that's what I want to see he's 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 just he's a he's an absolute star and he's just he's just he's just become so much better from what he was last season also you know yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I I completely agree. So I think I actually had this conversation with, with with my buddy Lucius earlier today. And Lucius, good guy. He mentioned, uh, yeah, yeah. Actually, uh, he he played in Ireland for a while. Um, signed a professional contract and everything. He actually, uh, he actually had a trials with Everton. Oh yeah. And uh, yeah. yeah, he was the one that he was the one that told me John Stones was shit um, during training. Like like he wasn't yeah. all wasn't all that great yeah i agree um, he, he but you was. know what you know what he did call out a uh, dominant calvert lewin so he was spot on with that because that kid's a baller but mm -hmm. anyways um going back to your point we were talking about william earlier today and he was mentioning you know william is 29 years old um next year he's going to be on the wrong side of 30 um like how much longer could he contribute and i basically said whatever manager steps in would be would be stupid it would basically be it would be a likability suicide if they didn't include William in his first 11 next season mm -hmm. um and and you know if you want to get the fans on your back on your back the best way to do that is the bench you know fan favorites and right now William's the guy um so i i think he'll be at chelsea for a long time and i just i i know he loves life in london because you know he's always posting pictures you know, out around town with his wife with his kids um, you know, he speaks the language very well and, and, and he just looks like he loves it here. And, uh, he's endured a lot of hardship with his mom passing away and his dip in form and last season because of it. And the fans have stuck with him and the logical fans, mm -hmm. um, have stuck with him and uh, I, I wish him the best. My yeah, girlfriend it, even has it, his jersey. So. Frank Lampard today. <laughs> I love him so much. He said that William could play for Barcelona. He's that good. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, you know what? I kind of that, that's it. not a crazy statement whatsoever. I mean, I, if, I given given their depth, that I mean, it's it's a little bit questionable, but uh, I don't know. 
I, I, I love him. I, I, I'd rather have – I don't even want to think of him being on Barcelona. That's, that, I think yeah. that might be it. I think that's why I can't see it, just because I, uh, I just – that the, th- the thought of that hurts. <laughs> so, Zach, well, uh, uh, that, that's, those, those are the three things that I learned uh, about this Champions League, Champions League campaign. How about you, Zach? What were the three things that you learned? Um, well, this is a good section, by the way. Sorry. Very good section. I like it. <laughs> um, we're going over time, but fuck it. Um, yeah, we'll, look, we'll, we'll fly through that. Uh, we'll fly through the lesser city because we've already talked about them two different times this season. So my first point and probably the most obvious, our squad is just not good enough. And guys who should be squad players, um, guys like Victor Moses, guys like Fabregas, guys like Giroud, they're getting regular starting minutes out of necessity due to injuries and lack of squad depth and you know background politics and Conte not trusting in his players. To me, that's that that's completely unacceptable, and I think the board has to take full responsibility for that. Whoever is in charge of hiring and hiring and uh, uh, buying and selling players, excuse me, um, I might be Granovskaya. We're not really sure what her job is. We're actually not really sure what anyone's job is. And I think and I think that's exactly the problem with Chelsea Football Club is this lack of transparency between the fans and the board. Um, even the most loyal fans with the deepest connections, um, reporters, um, backroom staff, I mean, they even they don't even have a complete idea of, you know, the each individual board members responsibilities and duties. So. I mean, that's that's my first point. Um, we talk about it every week about our lack of squad depth. So, I mean, we're just beating it like a drum, and um, we're going to keep beating the drum until something happens. Um, and it's funny because – I'm sorry to cut you off, but, like, we are so deep at center back. Like, we're one of the deepest teams probably in the world at the center back position yeah. and so flat at every other position. Like literally every other position, but yeah. center backs we are deep. Like, yeah, you, you know what? You could even include Ampadu in that center back yeah, conversation. No, I mean, we we can is. go six center backs deep, and <laughs> all six of whom Conte trusts, which I don't think is a coincidence because I don't think it's crazy to say that 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 Rudiger was on Conte's wish list because we all heard about the Koulibaly rumors and we all heard about um, the Benucci rumors, and yeah, Rudiger's not Benucci. But he's very close to Koulibaly. He's tall. He's athletic. He's strong. Um, he has pace. What, what, what do you think about running a six-two-two next season? A six-two-two sounds good to me. I mean, <laughs> as long as we get Cahill in there, because we need some goals. Um, but going off of my first point, my second point, um, probably the most infuriating thing, and probably the most shameful thing that the board has done is not find Golo Conte a partner. Um, he needs a fucking partner. We got eaten alive uh, today against Barca um, and at home against Barca because we don't have a box-to-box, defensive-minded, solid, athletic midfielder um, to partner in Golo Conte. Yeah, we had Bakioko, but we really had Bakioko only about for a month, and then he turned into uh, – he basically turned into me out there <laughs> playing in the Premier League. And just completely disappeared. Um, he doesn't trust drink water. Ross Barkley, I don't know if he could play in a midfield too. Um, 
Ampadu looked good in a midfield too, but, you know, again, in big matches, do you really want to trust a 17-year-old? It's just, it's it's footballing blasphemy to the extreme and uh, very, very unfortunate that we haven't found a partner for him. So hopefully Bakioko could sort things out because I do think that there's something there. Um, I just think Bakioko needs a manager a little bit different to Antonio Conte. One thing for me that I noticed with Conte is that he's not really a arm around the shoulder, it's okay, you'll get him next time, buddy type of manager. I think he's the type of manager that pushes you really hard in training and tries to physically and mentally break you very similarly to Mourinho. And if you crack, you're done. And, you know, we, we've seen that ruthlessness from him. Uh, just look at Alvaro Morata. Look at Bakioko now. Um, look at Gary Cahill. Um, you know, we've seen that ruthlessness from him before. Um, and, you know, I, 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 I just think that Bakioko is uh, a victim of that. So the next manager that comes in, I'm sure that, you know, there will be some sort of improvement, um, if not a lot of improvement. So, uh, But my third point. And it kind of ties in with with what you were talking about with our center back situation. Andreas Christensen, Antonio Rudiger, and Azpilicueta all look like a back three that could be sustained no matter who succeeds Antonio Conte at Chelsea. Um, I think those three are easily the first choice. Um, I love Gary Cahill. I'm always going to love him, um, even if he plays with us until he's 48. Um, but these three guys are, 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 I mean, they're just a class above everything else that we have and available in that position. And that's not putting anyone else down because Gary Cahill and guys like Ethan Ampadu, um, even Kurt Zuma coming back on loan. I mean, those are all very, very good quality players. Um, but these three just look like they're, they're the pairing for the future. So, I mean, those are my three points. We kind of covered everything about Barcelona. I don't, I, I don't know, man. Usually when I rant and, and I get things off my chest, I feel better. But right now, I just feel worse. I, I feel better because I think that we didn't we, we didn't lie down and play like a dead fish um, this tie. We like, weren't Man United. No, and... And we didn't we didn't play like how we did against Man City. Like if 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 we I mean that that game against Man City, I felt so bad after that. Like just like we we literally looked like a championship team against Premier like you know, a top class team. But yeah. you know, I think we the way we played against Barcelona and these two legs, uh, we play like a team that deserved to be there. And um, I really didn't think that we deserved to be in Champions League. I mean, obviously we did because we won the Premier League last year. But uh, given this season, like I was, I all I felt deep down inside, like we did not deserve to be here. But I think we played like showing. I mean, the way that we played showed that we did deserve to be there. Yeah, and I and I and that that made me feel a lot better. And I and I'm, I'm although I am upset, you know, like you know, we and we did get a really unlucky draw with Barcelona, like you know, yeah, we could have gotten Shakhtar, yeah. But I mean, if we're not going to beat Barcelona, you know, in the first round, it's we're just we're just pretty much prolonging um, the inevitable. You know, we 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 would have gone knocked out eventually. But um, you know, the whole point of playing Champions League is to win it all. You know, to to go to the one eighth finals, quarterfinals, semifinals, and losing. You know, it's a, it's not really that much of an accomplishment if you don't win it all. 
So, you know, if we can't beat Barcelona, then it, this wasn't our year, obviously. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's agreed. So, I mean, I don't really have any other final thoughts besides the fact that, you know, as much as we struggled in this match, um, I just want to point out that we did have more attempts and we created more chances in Barcelona. And we hit the so, post four times. And, and I do think, yeah, exactly. Four and, times. And I and I, I, I do think that the scoreline was a little harsh on us, but, you know, that's what you get when it you was, play against... It was not one, telling for sure at all. Well, when you play against one of the footballing gods, you know, that's usually what happens. So They have a couple um, footballing gods, to be completely honest. Yeah, they do. Um, moving on to uh, Chelsea versus Leicester. So we got Leicester on Sunday. Uh, FA Cup quarterfinal at the King Power Stadium. So this is obviously one of the loudest stadiums in the Premier League, an atmosphere that is always present. Um, th- those Leicester fans always get up for any um, any one of the top five or six um, clubs that come into their – basically into their home. <laughs> I like how you say five or six now so you can, yeah. you can fit us into I that category it, now. Us, exactly. Fit us <laughs> into the equation. Um but yeah, I mean, just going off of that, they're going to be ready for the fight. And I do not expect this to be an easy game at all. Um, so w- what do you think? I mean, we, we, I the thing is, yeah, because, because let's just, the let's things just, that we've, that we're going to mention today, because, you know, we, we've, we've, the, the other episodes that we previewed other lesser, the other two lesser city matches, we pretty much said the same thing. Um, the, the, the players that we need to keep an eye on, um, Mares, we got to keep him off the ball. Um, just the way that, you know, he's, he's the main supply line of the Leicester attack. And, um, you know, if we're able to nullify him either by man marking him or just, you know, having a game plan to, to not allow him to, you know, run free with the ball, that's going to be key to picking up a solid result. But, um, you know, they will try to find seams in that back three and they will force their two strikers out wide. Um, but um, you know, two two great strikers. Um, but you we, know, we, you mean we will try to force their strikers out wide because, I mean, those guys like to play as narrow as possible. So um, it, yeah, I mean, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, we we will try to force their their strikers out wide. Yeah, but um, you know, that, but that's that's where you want them, obviously. Um, yeah, yeah, and I I mean, I don't think we have to mention this, but basically, I mean, keep keep Jamie Vardy out of the box because. If you want to talk about clinical, I don't think there's many other players that you could name that are as clinical as Jamie Vardy, especially converting difficult shot opportunities, which um, if we defend well, that's all he's going to get. And, you know, he scores worldies. I mean, did you see his goal last week? I did not. Riyad Mahrez, Riyad Mahrez played a ball over the top, about a 40 or 50 yard, like little clipped ball. And Jamie Vardy was running off the back shoulder of one of the center halves. And he took the ball out of the air and volleyed it into the side netting and uh, Frank Lampard was speaking about it afterwards and he actually tipped that for his goal of the season. So, mm-hmm. I mean, we know Jamie Vardy, we've seen what he's done against Liverpool and Man City. Um, he, he shows up for the big matches and he's a, he's a big game player. I mean, let's not, let's not beat around the bush. So with that being said, um, taking care of possession is also going to be absolutely crucial. Uh, if they do wind up deploying Vardy and Okazaki, I think that that could present a lot of problems for our back line. Um, especially Courtois, who can't seem to connect any passes whatsoever out of the back, but still continues to do so. Um, so I think, you know, taking care of possession, especially in the back, with those two high-energy, 
high-intensity uh, strikers that love to close down on the ball. Probably the probably the two most energetic, or that, that's probably the most energetic uh, strike partnership in the Premier League. Um, those guys are definitely going to be looking at you know the Chelsea's past couple matches and thinking, hey, maybe we can nick a goal off of a misplaced pass or or off of a off of a goal kick or something like that. So, um, you know, but other than that. It's going to be typical Leicester. It's going to be tough. They're going to sit behind the ball. They're going to try to hit us on the counter, um, and they're going to be incredibly organized like they always are. So, I mean, just based off of that, um, what, what are you thinking, Sam? Do you think we'll walk away with a win? I'm going to I'm gonna predict that we win. Um, I don't know if I'm going to go 2-1, 3-1. I mean, I think it'll be a close match. I think 2-1 is probably what I'm going to predict because it's going to be ugly. Um, you know, we're, we're, it, I think it's going to come down to a matter of who's going to want it more. Um, and you know, the way that, you know, just because Lester is going to be playing at home might give him a little bit of an edge, but you know, as a biased Chelsea fan, I got to believe in, believe in the team a little bit, especially, you know, if, I think if we played the way we played against Barcelona against Lester, we'll blow him out, but um, I feel like it's just week to week. We just look like a completely different squad. But you know, so it's really I can't. I have no idea how to how to gauge this game. But I think two one is what I'm gonna predict. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's gonna be two one, very ugly. Um, but what I'm yeah. very curious very to see, ugly. and one thing that I'm gonna be watching for is to see the mentality of the team, um, especially after you know a couple deflating Premier League performances, and then you know, getting their hopes back up after Crystal Palace and then another deflating loss in the Champions League. So seeing how that team's mentality and their mental fortitude, seeing what they're made of basically is going to be very interesting. Um, but yeah, so I'm, I couldn't have said it better myself. I think 2-1 Chelsea. Um, nice. Um, you, you know what? Andreas Christensen will score his first goal for Chelsea against mm-hmm. Leicester. Huh. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that because he's always gets in good positions on corners and set pieces, but he never converts. So I have a feeling it's going to like, it's going to be like a really ugly deflected header and it's going to go in. So I can't, I can't, I can't guarantee you that uh, Christensen scores, but if he does, I can guarantee that it won't be off of a Victor Moses cross. I can guarantee (laughs) you that at least that's the one thing I can guarantee Wow, that was a bold statement, my friend. Um, anyways, that brings us to the end of this episode. So, um, episode number thirty-six in the books already. Yeah, Zach. You know, next week we're going to be uh, previewing our uh, Tottenham match, and mm-hmm. uh, the match that I will be going to. Yeah. So you know that, that that's going to be a really fun episode. We'll uh, talk a little bit about your trip. Um, are you you're looking? I'm sure you're really looking forward to that. Oh yeah, man. Oh God. I, you know what, you know what the coolest part about this whole process has been is like talking to a lot of like the other Chelsea podcasts out there, like the fan cast guys, specifically like Dan Silver and Stanford Chidge and Jonathan Kidd. All those guys are like incredibly cool and incredibly welcoming and warm. And I've offered to buy them all beers and none of them have turned me down yet. So I'm like really looking forward to hanging out with them. My goal is to get one of them drunk enough to promise me that they'll come on the show. <laughs> Yeah, I think um, you have to record them saying it though, you know. Whether that you happens get their, or not, so they because they they won't remember it. If they, if yeah. if they if they agree to get on our show, they're gonna have to be blacked out and they will not remember it. So you have to make sure you get a video of it or something. And well, we well, and we got to figure out a way to 
to record our episode while you're out there too. Maybe you can get one of yeah. them there. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm definitely bringing my mic and everything, but we'll talk about that off script. Anyways, follow us on uh, SoundCloud. Make sure to look for us on iTunes as well. Um, we're also on Twitter at Romans Empire Pod. Um, we've been a lot more active lately. Um, a lot of the interaction we have, as always. I mean, you guys, the the listeners are are absolutely incredible, and you you continue to humble us with uh with continuous support and you know clever catchphrases and 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 basically lightening up my mood. Um, talking about you, Chelsea Eric, with all the funny memes. Um, but yeah, um, keep up the good work and. You know, until next week, Sam. Hopefully, uh, we'll be talking about the semifinal preview for the FA Cup. And until then, oh yeah, yeah I <laughs> forgot, I forgot, I forgot. Uh, keep the blue flag flying high. No, it, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be an episode of Roman's Empire if you didn't forget to say that. So yeah, it wouldn't.